The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Yesterday was St. Patty's Day. Anyone celebrate that? Any St. Patty's Day people out there? Um, it's one of those things that people celebrate, right, whether you're Irish or not. Like, I, I kind of grew up not really celebrating things like that, but, but Amy did. And so it's sort of this, you know, it was sort of a big deal. We've got to do something for that. And I was working at the brewery yesterday, and it was just madness for a few hours. I probably more people there than, than I'd ever seen just coming out to, to sort of celebrate this thing. When these firemen come in, come in, they had bagpipes and, and drums, and it was just, it was actually awesome. It was a little, little bit wild, but it was really cool. And it's interesting to see people just excited about this day, and, and for some it's just an excuse to go day drinking. It's like, that's the extent of it. But there's something about wanting to join in and, and be part of something that's going on, right? Like, it doesn't matter almost what it is. Like, I want to be part of that. People are like, right, St. Patty's Day, let's celebrate. People want to celebrate together. They want to do stuff together. That's sort of hardwired into us, that idea of, one, like small community, but being part of something bigger. That's why people jump in who, who, who really don't have any reason to jump in on St. Patty's Day, but they're all about it. Let's do this thing together. And we're down at the, at the brewery serving, and these, these guys came in. They're playing you know, the bagpipes, and these firemen, and they, and they kind of did a moment of, of pause and a memoriam for some you know, fallen firefighters. And, and everyone stopped and just took their hat off and raised their hat. And there was just this moment in that room of a couple hundred people who weren't there for that reason. They, they just want to be part of that. They're drawn into something that just felt a little bit bigger than themselves or bigger than that, bigger than that moment. And this is sort of this idea of like, man, everyone wants to be part of something bigger. And in the context of this, the Gospels, these early on disciples, so we'll look at Peter a little bit today, there was, this, there was this idea of like we're getting on board with something bigger than ourselves. Like we're going to join this guy and we're going to be part of a revolution. And that was, that was what they were thinking. Like, this is the king. This is the savior. This is the redeemer. He's going he's gonna to deliver us from the Roman Empire, deliver, deliver us from the, cr- the clutches of oppression that we've been stuck in, into. And, and we want to be part of this. And we're excited to be part of that. that and, and we still sort of have that today. But in this time, they're like really looking at Jesus like, this is, this is it. This is it. This is going to change everything. This is going to change our world. And, and we want to be part of that. And people have been doing that for years and years and years. I mean, Jesus was a revolutionary. There were revolutionaries before him and, and, and after him. Uh, but when you feel that little tug, you, you want to you get on board. August of, of 1963 in, in Washington, 250,000 people, quarter million people, went on a march to hear Dr. Martin Luther King speak. Quarter million people. And this, mind you, before this, this time, like, there was no Evites. Right? There wasn't Facebook invites going around. There was no social media. There was no email. But people got word of this movement, of this man, of this voice, of this right. And they said, we want to be there. We've got to be part of this thing. No matter what, we will drop everything. We're going, to, we're going to go to wherever we're coming from. White and black alike came down to the mall to march and listen because they believed in something bigger than in themselves. But here's the thing. When we do stuff like that, when we jump in, and the people of that time, and for us in part, being part of the church today or the disciples of their time, it's not that you, just that you believe in something bigger, this bigger idea. You believe... That's important for you to be part of it. You believe that in yourself in some sense that you can contribute to this thing, that it needs me, that it needs me. And that happens when kids march for gun violence or, or, or Me Too, women's marches, right? Those of you who've gone down to those things, you believe in the, in the movement, but you also believe that it, in yourselves. But you know what? This thing needs me to be at it. I will contribute to the positive of this thing. And so, so when Jesus' disciples are jumping on, they're slowly gaining, like, wow, this is... This is about Jesus, and it's about this movement, but it, it's about it needing me too. And, and they begin to slowly sort of believe in themselves, like this is it. 
we are the right, we are the right guides. And so when Dr. King gets up and he gives his, I have a dream speech, people are, people are in. He didn't say, I have a plan. He said, I have a dream. He said, I have a dream speech. It wasn't even all, all clear and, and, and concise. Like, there was this idea, I'm like, we're going to do this thing together. We're going to do this thing together. And so the disciples get to sort of this end of this, this really intensive season of being together with Jesus. And, and if we were to look at the previous verses, they're, they're, they're having dinner and they're talking and they're asking things like, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to be in charge? And they're trying to get an understanding of how's this thing going to work once we, once we take over. Once this thing goes down, you become king, like where do we all stand? How do I fit into this, into this situation? And Jesus would make them believe that you're important here. Like we need you. Stay on track. Stay with me here. Stay with me, Peter. Stay with me, John, Andrew. So, so we're going to, to John 18, and I'll probably cover some of this today, but it goes like this. Um, sorry, that's Acts. We're finding Jesus kind of right around the garden time. If you're familiar with the Easter story, he's coming into Jerusalem. Um, Last Supper kind of tale, kind of, kind of coming up on the arrest here. Uh, so John 18 goes like this. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. So Jesus is with his disciples. If you follow any of the, the Gospels, this is a, a lengthy time of conversation with Jesus to his disciples. This is where he, he'll pray for them and he'll talk about the future. But he gets to this place and this Kidron Valley, crosses Kidron Valley to this, this garden. And you can throw that map up, Alex. I'll kind of talk through this a little bit. There's some, there's some cool little stuff in here. And this was a place they knew well. It's a place they went too often to get away. And we'll see this through Jesus' life, and this is one of the reasons that we even kind of push these retreats. Like we have to have these places that just give us a little bit of space from everything else, even Jesus. And they had this place, and it was just outside the city. It was quiet, especially at this time. It was probably the middle of the night. You just need, need a place to breathe. And those are important. If, if Jesus did that with his people, how important is that for us? And when I hear Tristy saying, I wasn't going to go because I was tired, like, that's us about so many things, right? But man, I did it. I needed, I needed to do that. But there's so many reasons not to carve out that space in your life for really the things of God in one another. It's your personal prayer time. Is it the Bible? Is it getting on the retreat or the camping trip? It's so easy to say, nah, I'm okay. But Jesus built this into these guys. We have a place that we go to often, just us. We get away from the streets, get away from the crowds. We're going to hang out with one another. And he goes to this place, and Judas had since sort of plotted in his heart to betray him. And this Kidron Valley is, is it's this shadowy area. So this is Jerusalem, city walls. Uh, kind of hard to see the words, but that box, and there's a temple and the Garden of, of Gethsemane is kind of just on the other side of this shadowy thing. So the Kidron Valley is behind the temple. And this is going to be a, a little bit nerdy, and some of you guys like that. Some of you guys will, will wait for five minutes to get back into what I'm saying. But there's this sort of back area of, of the temple, and Jesus crosses, and John makes note, he crosses the Kidron Valley into this, this Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane is an oil press. It was an olive, uh, an olive grove, the Mount of Olives. If you've seen that in the text, is that's part of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's at the bottom of that. So it goes up this olive grove. Jesus will do some work up there, but he kind of goes in and out of this valley. So back of the temple, valley, and up. And the Kidron Valley is interesting through the Old Testament because a couple times throughout the Old Testament when we heard about uh, the temple and the kings, they'd be all about God, and then all of a sudden they'd just be like, 
off the deep end. And then a new king would come in, and they would get things back on track. If you've been around the church, you've heard some of these stories in Kings and Samuel, a bunch of bad kings, then a good king, king comes. Good king's like, man, we're all about God. Bad king comes in, we're all about idols. They do that, good king comes in. When the good kings would come in, into to sort of revive God and purge the temple and purge the, all the idolatry, they would smash up these idols and they'd just throw them out the back of sort of the temple. Like that was sort of the waste area of the temple. They would smash and discard things into this valley. They would they reject these other gods and reject these other idols through this through this place. And so it was sort of a, uh, a, a dark and gloomy. The, the the name itself actually means dark and gloomy. It was sort of a, a dark, a little bit depressing area. It was kind of the waste. It was the back of the temple during this time where we're, where we're hanging out with Jesus. It's it's Passover time, so there's like major lambs being slaughtered in the temple, like like thousands. This is just part of their system at the time, and they're slaughtering all these lambs. And that blood, if you, you don't always talk about it, but the blood has to go somewhere. They would drain it out the back of the temple into this valley. There was this sort of brook, and so it was this really interesting area, and we could get into that for days, but through the Old Testament into the New Testament, this back of the valley, this sort of symbolism of, of, of rejection. Now there's the blood of lambs going back there, and John makes note that Jesus passes through this, this place on the way to his, on the way to his, his, his garden. Spend time with Jesus. Jesus fully realized uh, what was going to happen. So there's these guards. Uh, there's soldiers coming. They've got weapons. They've got fire. Uh, Judas would have told him, like, I don't know if they're going to go down easy or not. He's got a bunch of guys with them. Some of them are tough. Some of them aren't. But, but nonetheless, the, the Roman Empire, the Roman, the Roman soldiers come. Uh, soldiers from the temple come. So they're fully armed. Jesus realized what was going to happen to him. He stepped forward to meet them. He said, who are you looking for? Jesus is always good about sort of placating us with questions, even though he doesn't need to ask. Jesus of Nazarene, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. Jesus, who betrayed him, was standing there with him. And Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? So he says, I'm, I'm he. I said, I, I am. And basically, in this, in this language, he's saying, I'm God. The I am was, was a reference for God. The language was a, was a word that you wouldn't even speak. And so he's, he's saying, I, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. So I'm, I'm God, actually. And, and, and it was sort of a moment of one of ultimate blasphemy, but also maybe the, the weight of the power of like, wow, what if, what if this guy is? And they fall down. He says, I am he. I am he. And again, again, he replied, Jesus of Nazarene, I told you I am he. And since I am the only one you want, let these others go. He did, not, he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given to me. Then Simon Peter drew his sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath, so... I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me. So these guards surround them. It sounds like probably they've got their hands on the disciples. They're maybe going to take them all away. Jesus is like, wait, let these guys go. It's just me that you want. Peter, in his moment of zeal, you love Peter, he gets out his sword, and he just slices, goes, I don't know if he's aiming for the guy's ear or he happened to catch it or what he was doing, but he slices off the servant's ear of the, of the high priest, Malchus. He's like, no, like, man, put your sword, put your sword away. And he does, and they go on. It's interesting in this sort of bit here. We know as we read on, Peter doesn't really get in trouble for that from, really from Jesus or the soldiers or the priests. Like, he just cut off a guy's ear. Not cool. Uh, unless they just didn't care about this guy, the servant, maybe he had it coming. But Peter kind of lashes out, and the story kind of moves on. I was just kind of thinking about that in Peter's life, because he is that kind of guy. And sometimes some of us can use a little more of this kind of guy in us. He's just a zealous guy. You know what? Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes being overzealous. Sometimes you're going to be under underzealous. 
The story kind of goes on. He's like, all right, well, whatever. And another gospel says he fixed the ear and it's okay. Like, we're going to make mistakes standing up for Jesus. 100%. And if you've been around the church at all, you know other church people, other Christians who probably made a mistake standing up for Jesus. Just too much. Like, oh my gosh, dude, too much. Put the sword away. And you try to fix whatever they did. Anyone knows any Christians like that? I've probably been that guy. Like, we all know people like that. Put the sword away. It's all right. Chill out a little bit. But it's not something that he beats up Peter on. And he kind of moves on from the story. I love also this garden. We'll catch up on this in, in coming weeks. But he's in the garden. In the Gospel of John, he starts out in John 1, really calling back to the Genesis story in, in Genesis 1, which is all about this garden. And, and this garden is so much about this beginning and the end. And it's, and, and it's a place of blessing and of curse. And we see Jesus back in this garden right before he's sort of wrapping up his earthly ministry, right before he takes on this, this tremendous pain of separation, right? In the garden in Genesis 2, there was a separation. There was this pain of, of, of Adam and Eve being separated from, from God. And Jesus is walking through this garden. And he didn't want to go through this alone. He brings his guys, and he's hanging out, and, and, and they stand up for him. And then Jesus leaves. He gets taken away, and, and it goes on this way. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did, the, as did another dis, of the disciples. The other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard. Presumably John, uh, telling his story, high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate, and she said, let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you are not one of the man's disciples, are you? No, I am not, he said. And, and Peter does this again, and we're going to read the whole, not going to read the whole story today, but he's out there waiting for Jesus, just wondering what the heck is going on. He's wondering what the heck's going on. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself to ask him, you're not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. One of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowd. And I want to talk about Peter's for a few minutes as, as, we, as we close out. Because Peter is a, is a zealous, excited guy. He loves, God, he loves Jesus. He, he would die for Jesus. He's the guy, if you remember, he got out of the boat. He's pulling his sword. He's sort of the first one to, to, to die for this revolution. But in this moment now, we see him kind of broken. He's kind of broke down. He's sitting out there kind of by himself among some other servants. It's cold. the fire going. Just, a, just a, maybe an hour earlier, maybe less, he's ready to go to town. He's like, I will, get, I will take a bullet for Jesus. You don't touch him. He gets his sword out. He's ready to go. But now he's saying, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even know Jesus. So what happens in, that, in, the, in those moments? What happened in that time? Because on one hand, it's easy to say, well, he was just afraid for his life. He got afraid. Like, I don't know. Peter doesn't strike me as a guy who was really afraid for his life that often. That's not really who he was. That's not his true identity, but in these moments, he's, he's broke down and he's scared. And, and, and moments earlier, he would have fought to the death, but now his heart is sinking. And, and there's this, there's this idea of, the, of hope deferred gets, makes the heart sick. And we can see what happens for Peter here, and this will happen to us in relationships and with God and with the church and fill in the blank. On one day, man, we will die for the cause. But if something starts to happen and doesn't look like it's going to work out, sometimes it makes us very sad. And when Jesus got taken away and arrested, something in Peter's heart just began to break. Like, oh my gosh, like, I, I didn't think it was going to go this way. I thought it would be different. 
thought we were, we were, we were going to be together longer. I thought we were going to be in, gov- in government. I thought we were going to bring hope to the people. But now I, I don't know. And he begins to sort of forget who he is because when we're, we are hurt and sad and feel hopeless and depressed, you forget who you are. Peter's not that guy. Peter's not, a, not the guy who says, oh, I don't even know Jesus. Peter is zealot and radical. He's a church planner. He's like the father of the church. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a personality, but in this moment, he's beat up. He's sad. He's broken. And this letdown, because we all experience these letdowns, and this is, if the Easter story is about hope, it also has to be about letdown. Peter's let down. He doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know if he should blame Jesus himself, the, the Rome. I thought it would be different. How many of you have ever thought that? I mean, I just thought life would be different. I thought it would be different. I thought it would be better. And if you stay in that place for too long, it can make you sick. It can start to steal who you are as a, as a person, your identity of God. Man, I thought it would be different. I, I thought I would have more. I thought I'd be this person. I thought I'd be there. And we're all going to have those moments, and that's okay. Man, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. Because it's just a tragedy when we go from this amazing, young, zealous follower of, of Jesus who's right by his side for three years, walking on water and pulling out swords, and all of a sudden, like, I, don't, I don't even know Jesus. That's sad. And that can happen to you and I if we're not, if we're not protective of sort of our hearts in that way. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Peter's getting sick. And this becomes a moment for Peter that Jesus ultimately uses. Because in this moment, if we, if we think about it, if, Jesus, if Peter would have gotten a little bit more active in the courtyard, started causing trouble, pulling his sword again, he ends up in prison maybe worse, and we don't have Peter. And we need Peter. So Jesus kind of walked him through this thing. And so we're going to have those seasons. That's, those seasons are okay. You just don't want to stay there. You don't want to stay there. And so Peter's sort of hanging out, and he's, and he's, just, he's just beat up, man. He's just sad. He feels a sense of loss. And if you've ever been in those places where you feel like something's breaking down before you, like, I thought that would be different. You're like, well, what did I, where did I go wrong? You know, Peter, like, gosh, I don't know. Should I, maybe I shouldn't have come in the first place. I just gave up my, my, my business at home, and I've given up all these years of my life. Like, oh, that, that was a waste of time. Right? When you invest in something, and you're hoping, like, it's going to turn out, like, I didn't, that didn't work out. That could be a relationship. That could be a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe a marriage that didn't work out. Like, I thought that would go differently. That ended up being a waste of time. Those, those moments hurt. That's painful. I thought it would be different. I, I, man, I, I've definitely been there in, 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 in different seasons of just what, what happened, where did I go wrong, what could I have done differently. And, and those moments are very honest moments that I think are important for all of us to go through, these Peter moments. But it's also important to know when we get to the other side of this story, Jesus died for those moments to restore this hope back into everything and, and paint a picture that's bigger than those episodic moments. Right, I know with my relationship with Amy, you know, coming up on almost 20 years, right, we have our ups and downs. We, we, we have those things, particularly around like, you know, we've talked about it here, but probably, you know, Valentine's Day, birthday, anniversary, uh, Christmas, St. Patty's Day, any holiday, major expectations from her. Right, like it's because because of Susie, who who you know they celebrated so big as a child, 
right? Every birthday, there's balloons, and every, you know, every holiday, there's gifts and all this stuff. And like, so Amy kind of tries to pass that on in our family. Like, oh, we have to get the gift, you know, kids' gifts for St. Patty's Day. Like, we're not even Irish. We don't need to get gifts for the kids. But there's these, these seasons of these ex- expectation. And I grew up the opposite. Like, when my birthday would come around, like, it's, you know, I get to pick dinner, chicken or chicken. Like, it's sort of the idea in my house. And so I didn't sort of have that background, so I have to kind of work with her. But I, I see these, these days coming, I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? And I either buy too much stuff, and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, we, we weren't doing presents. You shouldn't have got me anything. We don't, I don't need all this stuff. And then, like, the next time around comes, like, all right, I won't get her presents. Like, you didn't get me anything? It's always a trap when you say you don't get anything. It's a trap. But, but I just feel like I, it's hard to sort of get those things, those things right. And in those moments, really for each of us or Amy, like, it, those are hard moments, like those moments. Like, Man, I thought it would be different. I thought we would, and this goes for, can go both ways, husband and wives, but, or any kind of relationship. But it, if we thought it would be, I thought it would go different. I thought my anniversary would be different. I thought Christmas would be different. I thought Valentine's Day would be different. Anyone have those issues? Like, my birthday would be different. Right? And they're hard. Those are hard moments. It feels like, gosh, I, I was expecting something. It didn't happen, and it makes me feel a little bit sick. It makes me feel a little bit sad. But in the context of our marriage, the body of our marriage, yeah, those things are just little blips that come and go, but there's this greater work going on between the two of us and loving one another, trying to draw closer to God together, helping, to, helping other people to draw closer to, to God you know, through our relationship with our kids. But if you just camp out on those, those moments, it, it, can, it can kill you. It will destroy your relationship. It will steal your, rob your identity or rob your joy. Those things are going to happen. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed. You just can't, you can't stay there. When Jesus ends up kind of walking down this road, and he's, he's, he's casting hope back on everyone, like, listen, don't even worry about those things. There is, a, there is a much bigger thing happening. There's a much more beautiful life available to you than, than hanging out on these moments. I mean, I, we've all thought our life would be different at some level. I thought I'd have this house. I thought I'd have a yard and a dog. And when I have a dog, I, think, I, I thought I'd have a different dog than the one I do now, like a real dog. <laughs> but man, I've thought, you know, I should have never left this job or done this. I mean, man, all these things go through and they, they pass through. But Peter, man, he says, yeah, he's having doubts about life. And you know, it's okay. It's okay to have those thoughts. You just don't want to stay there. We're going to close out. Uh, we'll, we'll close out with this today. Um. Let's close out with song, Noah, and um, let's not pray for you and, and, and all of us. I think we've all been there, and, I, and I, just, I just was reading so much about Peter this week, just thinking of him sitting there, and like, it felt so sad for him that he was someone else. And some of you know that's you, because you're like, man, I, I was somebody else before. I was happier. I was more joyful. I had more faith. I was more generous. And some of us can look back, and man, that was a better version of me then. What happened to me now? Well, maybe it's because you expected something different and you got off track, and I don't know. Maybe you know someone in your life that just, you just feel like, man, they, they just need my prayers. I mean, sometimes it's that it. Just don't, don't go tell people that some of those things. <laughs> maybe this needs your prayers. You have some in your heart. Yeah, maybe it's a family member, someone close to you. Like, man, we used to be so excited for Jesus. We used to be so happy. So, God, thank you for who you are. Just thank you for the honesty of, of text and failure and Peters and gardens, God. Um, 
And hope deferred does make the heart sick, Lord. And, I, and there's probably someone in this room, maybe more, who's just, if they're honest, they deserve feeling like, man, they're sick. And it's just because of a breakdown of something, some kind of hope that they thought would be better, some kind of revolution or business or relationship or, or church or faith or family. And it's just not there, Lord. So I just pray healing over those broken hearts right now. People just sitting, feeling sitting on the outside. We love you. Amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.